What are your writing dreams? Finishing that book, quitting the day job, becoming a best-selling author? Well, over four years, we've studied the advice of over 300 best-selling authors who've collectively sold over half a billion books. And we are excited to announce the Best Seller Academy. If you're ready to take your writing to the next level with accountability, craft, and coaching, your bestseller dreams are now only a click away. To find out more and apply, visit bestsellerexperiment.com forward slash academy. That's bestsellerexperiment.com forward slash academy. Let's run the show. Hello and welcome to the Bestseller Experiment, where we continue to discover what makes a bestseller and inspire you to start, finish and publish your book. I'm Mark Stay. And I'm Mark DeVoe and welcome to our Christmas slash New Year's special. It's the end of 2020. Can you believe it? But before we dive into this episode today, we've got a very special episode and a very special guest today. We would like to thank our sponsors of this show, which is everyone out there in podcast land who has listened to this podcast at any point in the last four and a bit years, but especially everyone who has supported us through Patreon and also our Bestseller Academy that have helped this show keep its wheels on the road. So Mr. Stay, happy Christmas and a happy new year to you. How are you keeping? Ho, 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 ho. I'm very good. I'm very good, Mr. D. I am. I, I went to the pictures this week. I went to the cinema. I know, and I thought I thought all cinemas were shut down, Mr. Stay. Did you did you break in and and like play with the reels or something? What's going on? In fact, I know. I, I saw I went, a picture, didn't I? I yes, saw a picture yeah. on Facebook. If you follow my, Tell us about that follow picture. my Instagram or Facebook. Yeah, well it's a big it's a big picture of the Warner Brothers Shield, that WB that we're all so familiar with. And it was taken in the Warner Brothers screening rooms at Theobalds Road in London. And uh, it was I got to see the first cut of uh, my film, The Little People, um, which, uh, yeah, was um, an okay, existential out-of-body experience. Just pause a minute, pause a minute, because, okay, we've been with you on this journey from, from I, if you, if you listen back, if you listen back, I think about a year, I might be right or wrong here, Mark, but about a year, you might hear Mark talking about working on a new project and a script. So we've been following this story before it was really even just a you know, apple in the eye, right? So I want to I want to pause you at the door because I saw this picture, and if you haven't seen it, pop over to Mark's Instagram account. It's absolutely brilliant. It's this very amazingly looking. It looks like something out of Marvel, like with that shield on the door, and it says viewing room. I shouldn't say that. Pre- should I? Pre- preview room, yeah, and don't pre- confuse. Because Warner Brothers are DC, and you don't confuse oh. Marvel and DC. You'll you'll get you'll get I all the uh, all the all the nerds attacking you for I that stand one. Corrected. But, yeah. <laughs> but yes. um, and my daughter subscribed to Disney Plus yesterday. So what on earth? <laughs> I should know by now. Yeah. And the thing is, it's one of those places. Everywhere you look, there's Batman, Batman, Batman. Shazam is over there. The Flash is, you know. So there's uh, it's full of DC memorabilia and stuff. So very very cool. All right. So so take um, me take me to the door because you obviously stopped to mm-hmm. take a photo. Being the social media well, that I you was... are, you had to get it, didn't you? Really? <laughs> <laughs> of course I did. Of course I did. I'm, su- I'm such a tart. I love so, it. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, if you don't, then you're, you're like forever going. Oh, I wish I'd documented that. I wish I just got that photo. So, what was it like? Tell me. Tell me what it was like standing at the door and who who was with you? Or can you share that? Like, who watched it with? Well, you? it was a. It was a socially distanced screening. So it's quite a big screening room, but only five of us were allowed in. So there's me, there's the director, there's the visual effects uh, supervisor, there's the editor and our producer. And it's, you know, and it's it's a um, brilliant screen. I mean, these are, you know, fantastic picture quality, fantastic sound quality. It's just, just absolutely the tops. Very, very comfy seats. No sticky floor. You know, this is pucker stuff. So no one's and sitting so, next um, to you with their, with their nachos and hot cheese then, spilling oh, that hot, right? No, this is no, like no, none of that. luxury. None of that. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Um, uh, but there's always a little bit... I've been uh, in the run-up to it, because the thing is, during the shooting of the film, you get to see the the rushes and the dailies on a little app on my iPad. It was my 
my post 200 word a day treat you know once i'd uh, done my word count for the day i used to watch the the dailies and the rushes of of the th- stuff they'd shot the day before so i've seen all of these scenes and all of the outtakes and all of i've seen the jigsaw pieces and of course i know the story having written the blooming thing uh but it's as i've said many times with a screenplay it starts as a document but the minute you start putting it into storyboards and start putting together shooting schedules and all, and all that jazz, it it stops being a document and it starts be, becoming this living, breathing film, this, this thing that is its own entity. And once that thing starts moving, once it starts gaining momentum and growing – you have to go with that. You can't keep trying to drag it back to the script. And little little things like the intensity that the actors bring to the film in this changes, you know, the tone. It, it you know, it elevates it. It takes it to new levels. And this was the big experience for me, which is, you know, sitting down. And just as it started rolling, I thought, oh, bloody hell, actually, seeing this all strung together, this is, um, and I've, you know, I've been here before, but not for like six years. <laughs> and you're kind of thinking, okay, is it is it going to hold together? Is it going to... And the thing is, at the core of the story, yes, it's a film about goblins and leprechauns and, and monsters and stuff like that. And there's, there's a supernatural element to it. And um, But at the core of it is a relationship between two people, two people deeply in love with each other and who are tested and tested and tested. And the whole film really hinges on their relationship. You really need to like and love these people and want them to overcome adversity. And if their chemistry, if the chemistry between the actors doesn't work, then you're sunk. Well, I am happy to report. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler oh alert. My God. Yeah. I mean, the, they, they knock it out of the park. They, I, I cried twice. Really? Um, it's, uh, Is yeah, that just yeah, in tears of overwhelm and relief or actually because you were moved by their performance? A little, of, little, a little of column A, a little of column B. I mean, there's a. Uh, it's again for a film about goblins. It's actually a very personal story. And, um, <laughs> That's a quote yeah. right there. That's a quote from Mark well, Stone. You know, I love yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's great. <laughs> and it's, I love uh, it. It's it's based on some real fears that I have about the world. And uh, you start seeing these fears come to life on the big screen. <laughs> Bloody terrifying. It's like the monsters in your head are suddenly like, <laughs> what, 20 foot wide, 12 yeah, foot yeah, high. Yeah, yeah. It's like Mark, so, everyone um, starts turning and looking at you going, I think you need to see a therapist, Mark. <laughs> I think I might. So, uh, well, yeah. Probably not and, because you put it on the screen, right? In some ways, you put it out your head. Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, I was, I was, my heart was racing by the end. Cause, really? Uh, yeah, it's, and it's. Does it have a, um, so does a tension, I mean, obviously you've written it in such a way that the tension kind of, I guess, builds to some climax, but you really felt I, it, did I you watch it? I couldn't possibly, I couldn't I know. possibly comment, but yes. Obviously, of course not. Because <laughs> that's everything that we haven't taught in the podcast for exactly, last four yeah, years. Yeah, right? bloody yeah. hell. So just make it really you slow think- down right at the end. No big finish. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah bland. No. no, no resolution. No, 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 no resolution. It's, it's, just leave it hanging for like you know story two right yeah exactly no uh, yeah well that's something yeah oh, God, I, mean, I didn't i, didn't, I shouldn't that. even open mm. that can of worms right okay <laughs> can of let's goblins. leave that for another <laughs> can of goblins let's leave that for another day um but so what was what was the feeling when did i mean firstly do they have the credits at this stage do they have actually the credits playing and you watch it down, no, or does no, it just they, stop it kind of stops. They they did uh, Joffy, who's our editor. She did a thing where she basically did directed by John Wright, written by Mark Stay, blah blah, and that would ran for like ten seconds or whatever, oh, just okay. to give you an idea Something, of how the film, yeah. how how the final image would roll into the credits, uh, just as a kind of a you know mental exercise. But the 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 full credits don't get done until quite late in the day, actually. And they have this enormous spreadsheet and it feeds into a piece of software that does it. Because, you know, when you have visual effects, you can have hundreds of names at the end, you know. So okay. it's all going to be So take me back. It. You're sitting in the chair. The movie's finished. You've got a few seconds where it comes on the screen that you wrote it and you've got, you've got, you've got, you've got you know, director. And then what happens then? The lights come on. And then there's five of you sitting in this room whose live livelihoods and probably careers hinge on your experience in the last however long it was. What happened at that point? Well, I did this. I went <laughs> like that. So I gave a little round of applause. <laughs> 
And every head turns That's towards... very British of you. Yeah, I know. Every head turns towards our producer. Right. Because if he's got a smile in his face, we're golden. <gasps> if he's frowning or stroking his chin or whatever, then it's like, oh, God. Oh, God. Or looking at his phone. Yeah, exactly. If he's, if he's... Or worse, if asleep. he's asleep, if he's having a kip, we're in big trouble. <laughs> if, he's, if he snuck out after the first 10 minutes and you haven't realised and he realises there isn't a popcorn. Yeah, so he comes in, a door flaps and you can hear the hand dryer from the toilet, you know. Uh, so. <laughs> and then, and then <laughs> this tumbleweed but rolling again, down the I aisle. Am, I'm glad to record. <laughs> He had, he had a huge <laughs> grin on his face, a big grin on his face. So, um, oh, yeah, and we brilliant. sat around for about 20 minutes, half an hour in that screening room talking about, okay, we need to change this, we need to tweak that, we need to... And it's just... But the, the oh, good okay. news is yeah. it's just fine-tuning. It is simply fine-tuning. There's none of this, um, <sighs> you know, you've got... Because I, I know one of the problems we had with Robot Overlords was the opening. You know, there was this kind of... There was a, a lot of back and forth about the opening and how we changed that. None of that... Well, I mean, there's, there's some, like I said, some tweaking to be done. Um, there's always yeah. going to be something, yeah. isn't there? Yeah. You're never going to hit it. Right, and actually you want to make sure that you can make it even better because then the experience that the, the audience have is going to be even more than the experience what's, you have. What's encouraging is, is with you know our producers and everyone at Warners, they're talking about how this will have worldwide appeal, you know, so they're, they're talking about, you know, getting it out as wide and as far as possible, which is just wonderful. It's just music, music to ears. So, oh, yeah, so um, I can't say much more than that, but, uh, yeah, plans are afoot. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was an incredible moment. So, uh, yeah, I'm thoroughly relieved. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, I, I'm, I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted just, just listening to that. I mean, emotionally I'm on the roller coaster with you here and it's just exciting stuff, but, uh, brilliant. But let's talk about, I mean, we're coming up to the end of the year. We start maybe at the beginning of the new year for some people, and this is a big time for us isn't it in i mean not just after the year that we've had but it's it's a really huge time to be thinking about what we want to be doing in 2021 what are what are our goals and dreams it's a good time to get reflective it's a good time to reflect back in fact we sent out an email this week to our mailing list um, asking three questions and the three questions were um how did your writing go last in 2020 like what 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 was it like? Did it did you did you manage to smash away your goals? Are you still exactly where you were this time last year? Um, and then the other questions we talked about was what what's the biggest thing that you need next year or in 2021 to kind of level up your writing, get to where you want to get to? And it's something we've been discussing a lot in the academy as well in terms of the goals. Um, and so if you're interested, we will we are announcing today that we're going to extend the deadline for the Academy to the 6th of January for all those folks who are sitting on the fence and wondering about whether it's the right thing for them. We also realize a lot of people um, are going to be thinking about this year at the beginning of next year because there's so much going on at the end of this year. Christmas, Brexit, all kinds, right? I mean, so we've extended deadline to 6th of January. January. We are almost full. However, we will close it before the 6th if we hit capacity. But if you want to join the Academy, if you've been humming and hiring about it, now is the time to make the decision. It's the most incredibly inspiring community. And to, to actually join the community, simply go to academy.bestsellerexperiment.com. And Mark, we should also encourage people who want to up their word count to get involved in the 200 word a day challenge as it's now been rebranded. BXP 2020 was 2020, but we've rebranded for the 200 word a day challenge and it starts on the 1st of January. But if you're late, you can still jump in at any point just so you get more words if you start on the 1st. It's been quite an incredible success this year, hasn't it, Mark? And I'm really looking forward to how it builds next year. Well, what are we up to? Are we are we at 12 million yet or are we close? 12 million words, Ooh. yeah, 12 million plus. We had over a million words banked just from the um, Academy folks alone between September and the end of, and that's, you know, relatively small exclusive group. So a million words just in that one group. Um, but yeah, we're we're going to be hitting 15 million before we know it, and it's just kind of growing exponentially. But we we kind of have taken a bit of a total. We think that there are probably in the region of 500 books finished, roughly 
based <laughs> on the things that we've heard on Twitter. People have, you know, many even finished half a book that they they had in a drawer for years. So there's been about 500 books that have been given birth as a result of the the 200 word a day challenge in 2020, and I, that that's just crazy. And even even in people's um, uh, credits and thank yous at the beginning of their books, they've even some people even attributed this book's been written because of the the, the twenty the two hundred word a day challenge, um, which is just phenomenal. I'd love it if one of those one of those books goes on to become a huge huge bestseller. It would just be the most amazing thing, wouldn't it? Well, hot strap in there. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Absolutely. So if you want to get involved in that, simply go to our website, bestsellerexperiment.com. You'll see a big banner at the front. There's also a link to the 200 Word a Day Challenge and Navigation. You just put your email in and then you're off and running. And then each day you come back to the website and you pop in how many words you wrote. And it holds you accountable and it works. And congratulations to everyone who's who's written every single day this year. And we know there are a few out there. It's, a, it's an exclusive group, but... They exist, and you know, two hundred thousand words later, can't 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 be bad. So come join us at bestsellerexperiment.com um, and get involved. And uh, and Mark, what what else is happening in um in the in the social? Should we should we talk about that after the interview? Lots lots of good news at the end. So we'll do that at the end. It's, yeah, uh, we'll start it's a big end to the year. You know, end the year, start the year on on some good news, which we all need. But this is Absolutely. another bizarro world episode where you mr d are doing the interview so uh tell us about our very special guest super mega super duper duper mega bestseller uh mr mark victor hansen well for those of you who have ever owned a copy of chicken soup for the soul you will see mark's name on the front he is the co-founder, co-writer of the Chicken Soup for the Soul series. It's a book, actually, Mark, that, uh, well, books, there are over 350, I think, yes, copies. Yes, I saw that on the website. <laughs> right? Um, it's an absolute phenomenon. I've been fascinated by the story of Chicken Soup for the Soul back back for the last 20 years or so. But um, if, you, if you were to, like, get the headlines of what's actually happened, this is probably the number one publishing phenomenon of this century and last century. Mark um, has sold over half, are you ready for this? Half, I can't even comprehend what this means. Half a billion books, half a billion (laughs) books. And um, he's also written a number of his own books as well, which have sold um, well over a million copies. Um, And so I got the most incredible opportunity to chat with this I mean, dynamo, powerhouse. I mean, strap your seatbelts in, folks, because yeah. Mark has... <laughs> I have never... I don't think I've met anyone with so much energy as Mark, but it kind of it gives you a glimpse into the world of um, how he's created what he's created and this kind of no-limit thinking, which I often talk about. Um, he's He's been number one in the New York Times bestseller over 60 times. There's not many authors who can say that. Um, so dive in. Get yourself a get yourself a cup of tea and have a listen to this interview um, with the phenomenon of, of the co-founder of Chicken Soup for the Soul, Mark Victor Hansen. What an absolute honour! Welcome, welcome, welcome. How are you today? I, I am beyond blissful. Uh, my mind is just expanding with how wonderful life is for us now at a time when most people are feeling you know, sort of constipated in their experience. I'm, I'm trying to wake myself up and everybody else to the unlimited opportunity that's about to bestow upon all of us as we come out of this cocoon. It's utterly incredible moment in history. As we record this podcast, there is so much happening in the world right now. And people are in a place of anxiety and fear. And I am in a completely opposite place right now. I see that we are about to reach a completely new turning point. And when when we talk about, I'd love to dive in a bit about how you started, Mark, in terms of your own career, because your story, your real kind of like low point, should we say, happened when you you hit bankruptcy in 1974. Is that right? Correct. I went bankrupt. I'd, I'd been with Buckminster Fuller in graduate school. So for seven years, I traveled as a research assistant to Einstein's best student, arguably, major inventions like geodesic domes, dumb axiom cars, 40 books, and 15 doctorates at Harvard. I mean, 
his great, 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 great grandfather was somebody you've read, like I have, Ralph Waldo Emerson, who started the Divinity School at Harvard. I bet you didn't know that little factoid. Right. And, uh, you know, so so I got, remember, my parents are Danish immigrants who are, are they're smart, but they're ill-educated. We didn't have any books in the house because they spoke Danish and we were in a little Denmark and they were just trying to survive. And, and uh, you know, fortuitously, I got under the energy orbit in high school of a great, inspiring English teacher. And he just... <laughs> And nowadays, I teach reading as a fundamental freedom of freedoms, which I think you would agree with me, because if we all learn how to read, and four billion of us can't read on the planet, so I'm trying to say, how do, how do you and I, Mark, get everybody listening, these 500,000 people, to write more? Because when you write, you start to read more, you think more, you live more, you become expansive, you become, you get, re- you sh- like Mark Twain, one of my many, many heroes in writing, you, you know, shake off all your biases, you get rid of limited thinking. Hope I didn't overstate my first answer too well. No, no, absolutely not. I mean, one of the, one of the things that we always see is incredible, and something we've always talked about is this incredible success that can come from adversity. And when when you when you went through your initial challenge, now this was an external thing that happened, wasn't it? If I if I remember rightly, you were was it you were building specific domes and. There was a petrol crisis, and that and that that business crashed. Is that right? I, I built the Wall Street Racquet Club, botanical gardens, aviaries, houses, but I was building out of PVC, polyvinyl chloride, which is a petrochemical product. The Arabs in 1974 raised the price of fuel, and they said we can write checks so big your banks will bounce. So I went, I crashed and burned so fast. I lost two million dollars in one day. Uh, my I was using forty thousand dollars worth of plastic a month in my little company. And I thought, oh, I'm so, so mm, I'm, I'm somebody. And then all of a sudden, I crashed. Luckily, I know a library really well. And I, that I'm trying to help the libraries grow around the world. So I checked a book out of the library, How to Go Bankrupt by Yourself. <laughs> and, and I went, Phew. and for six months, I slept in front of another guy's room in a sleeping bag. And then one day, it came to me. I said, whoa, whoa, whoa this is not working. So I, I, I said, what do I really want to do? I want to talk to people that care about things that, made, or that would make a life-transforming difference. So I started I learned from a guy named Chip Collins how to do that. Long story short, people said, do you have that story in a book? So the first book I did, I don't know if you know this, but I did Stand Up, Speak Up, Win. I, I tripled my income from about 70 grand a year to immediately to uh, 200,000. I sold 20,000 copies at $10 each in a multi-authored book. And now I thought, oh, I have really arrived. And I, I said, this isn't a New York Times bestseller. This isn't a national bestseller. It's certainly not an international bestseller, but it is my bestseller. <laughs> I want to sign it to you, your wife, your kids. And if you have a dog, I want to sign it to your dog. <laughs> your dog. And they all did what you're doing. They laughed. They chortled. They thought that was fun. And I started selling books. And then I really got into writing. It, you know, now 312 books and a half billion plus sold. I, I'm going to stay in the business, I think. <laughs> I think I think you should. I think you've done. I think there's potential there, Mark. I think you should stick with it. <laughs> One thing I love about this story is through adversity, through the challenges you had through bankruptcy, it was it was the turning point for you, wasn't it? Because that was the moment where you you discovered a love of of books of of and and writing and selling books and marketing books, which became a huge incredible um, output for you in your life and became the platform really for everything that followed. So tell me a bit about this incredible situation where pri- I believe it was prior to Chicken Soup for the Soul. You reached out to best-selling authors, fiction, non-fiction authors, and asked them everything you could, which kind of mirrors in a funny way what we're doing on this show. Tell me a bit about that story. Okay. So Jack and I are talking to 6,000 people. He was in the morning and I was a tie-up at the Mandala Foundation in San Diego. He comes up to me afterwards, not thinking I knew who he was, but I've been in his audience. I knew he'd written a Great book. And he said, I'm Jack Canfield. I asked Dr. Canfield, I'm clear who you are. Third in your class at Harvard. You wrote the bestseller, 101 Ways to Build Self-Esteem in a Classroom. And he's, anyhow, we got together. I taught him how to, he said, teach me how to do short, impactful stories. So that's how Chicken Soup started. But then when we're doing it, I, I said, Jack, look, I really love interviews. And, and I teach that interviewing is the way every author ought to do it. As a matter of fact, the second chapter of You Have a Book in You is everybody could have a book in a month if they did interviews in a specific niche to grow rich. But I interviewed, and I wish, you know, I've lost some stuff in my um, moving, and we're in great houses each time, but you got to change. 
Anyhow, I interviewed the 101 best-selling fiction and non-fiction authors. Like we talked about Wayne Dyer. Well, Wayne and I become became great and stayed great friends. You know, and met with him in Hawaii, everywhere. Started with him in New York, carrying in books. But we interviewed people like Scott Peck, who had gone to Harvard with Jack, who wrote Road Less Traveled. And, you know, I, I didn't ask him how to write. I, I've known how to write since I was 16, I think. I mean, I, I was not accomplished, but I am now maybe. I mean, I've got critics because if you're the biggest, you've got a lot of arrows, right? Absolutely. <laughs> Anyhow, um, I said, tell me how you market. Tell me what you did to sell that many books, Scott. Tell me what you did to do that, Wayne Dyer. Tell me what you did, James Michener. What did you do, Clavel? What did you do, Clive Cussler, right? Because I'm really well-read. And, and, and what did you do, Spencer Johnson, who moved my cheese? And Ken Blanchard, I was on his board because I asked him questions. He said, nobody's ever asked me how to market. Why are you doing that? I said, look, you and Spence did it. Uh, Dr. Spencer Johnson, who moved my cheese, one-minute manager. And, and I interviewed those guys. I took copious notes. And then Jack and I wrote what we call a wow of a business plan. And still the publishers turned it down because I had this. I, I teach, and I've, I've got the best-selling set of tapes at Nightingale ever, I'm told, called How to Think Bigger Never Thought You Could Think. Because if you're going to think, why not think big? It doesn't cost any more. And, and, it's, it, and it's not that we... <clears throat> you know, the world's greatest sculptor is Michelangelo. And he says, it's not that we want too much in the short term. We want too much in the short term, but in the long term, we don't want near enough. And I thought, wow, what a great concept. So I wrote down, we'd sell a million and a half in a year and a half. And I teach that you carry a three by five card and you look at it and it says, I'm so happy and glad. I'm so happy and glad I'm going to do whatever you're going to do. And in our case, a million and a half in a year and a half. And it's signed by Jack and signed by Mark and signed by our publisher, Peter Begzo. And then you look at it four times a day, breakfast, lunch, dinner. But most importantly, before you go to sleep at night, because as you know, your subconscious never sleeps. So it's all doing to do. And then today we call it the law of attraction. It's got a lot of different names, but right, ask and you shall receive whatever language you want to do. But it was out there and it, it goes out and, and permeates, penetrates, fills the inner space of the universe and then comes back, multiplied. So that's why you got to think big. Because if you think small or you think negative, negative comes back. If you think positive, positive comes back. Seems sophomoric, Pollyannish, but it's tautologically true. There's a big term. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Now, one one of the things one of the things that you mentioned when you were starting out with chicken soup for the soul, you were really the kind of looking at the kind of numbers and and, and really starting to visualize and imagine what you could achieve. Now, is it true that you've still not hit your actual goal, even at half a billion books plus? What's the goal right now for you? One billion. Right. Everyone says, look, you can't sell a billion books, but it's like, uh, where do I have it? Here. Our publisher said, you can't outsell the Bible, and everybody said that. So two, two quick things. First of all, we're selling 20,000 copies a week. We got into um, Costco and we're rocking and uh, the New York Times wouldn't put us on. So Jack said, do you have guts to call that lady? And I said, of course, I'll call anyone. All she can say is no. And, you know, I'm rejection proof. I'm, you know, you, we've all, as an author, you've got to be Teflon because you're going to have people tell you, your editing is not as good as my editing. You're you know, bunga bunga. Anyhow, so I call this lady and she says, I said, why aren't you putting us in? We're selling 20,000 a week. We're doing great. She said, you are a multi-author book. I go, Yeah. So she says, we at the New York Times don't do multi-author books. I said, you're sure? She said, I'm sure. I said, lady, you do the Bible. It's got 66 books. If you had all the people that did the math, 720. She said, you're in next week, boy. <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. So, you know, and I'm teaching this whole thing about asking because you've got to ask to pull off anything inclusive of because all of us are going to hit roadblocks, obstacles. You've got to go over, under, on, or through. We can talk to that. Then everyone says, well, you can't sell more in the Bible. So Jack didn't want to do the Bible because I'm the guy. If I hadn't been a motivational speaker, I would have been a, a mega church builder, guys like Norm Vince Peel or Joel Osteen or something. So I did Chicken Soup of the Soul Bible, and I did it in purple. And little stories getting the big stories. You probably not got that in your library. But we sold these only at Walmart. We sold 70000 a week. And our publisher wouldn't do it because he said, oh, that'll never sell. And I go, I think the Bible's always going to sell. It's sold a billion and a half. And if I, do I want to outsell the Bible? No, I don't think that's possible. But do I think a human could sell a billion books? Yeah. No one's ever tried, but why not try? What if I just come out with 600 million? That's 600 million potential readers. And, and like in 
India, we have about 15 passed along because books don't, or don't exist. And in China, where I've been for 22 years, up until three years ago, it's about a five to six pass along. Right? So, right. And, well, and, absolutely. And, and yeah. I believe every one of our listeners, Mark, because we're Mark 2 here, Mark 1 and 2, or Mark squared, whatever you want to do, is we, we as writers have an obligation to write, and we have an obligation and responsibility to do the best we can. And then really, because I say when you're done with the book, you're 10% done, 90% is the marketing, the promotion, the hustle, the self-determination, the action, because we've got to help everybody else. And today, because of great things like I translate that it just as a year old, why shouldn't they read it in Swahili and Hindi, Urdu and Kanadris and Telugu and, and Urdu, whatever. I do you care who, re don't you want to maximize the amount of readers is what I'm saying. Do the, their benefit yours, mine, everybody's in the future. Absolutely. And I'm absolutely convinced as well. I mean, with the number of books that are out there, you've easily passed a billion readers. I think that's something which, because I mean, every, every time, I mean, the amount of chicken soup for the soul books I've got, I, I went to my, uh, my little library in my house and I had a look to see which books had Mark Victor Hansel on them. And this is just a small selection that I could find. I know there's more out there. And, you know, I, I've talked a lot in the past about, you know, the, the, the idea of visualizing manifestation. And one of the things that happened is before we connected for this interview, literally a couple of days before I reached for this book. The Power of Focus, which is a book that I bought, I can't even remember, 10, 10 years ago, right? I even have a couple of copies of it. I kept buying copies because I, I kept handing them out to people and then I ended up with multiple myself. And that had been such a mainstay in my, in my learning, in my, in my teens, in my 20s and 30s. And to pull it out and then literally two days later to get the call to, to interview you was utterly incredible but these things don't surprise me anymore because i've been out there in the world trying to teach people the same thing about you you know you've got to first believe something you've got to manifest it as a thought in your head before it can actually become real and we've seen this through so many authors and i want to tell you something really amazing mark Please. we have been doing this show for four years we've interviewed the likes of brian cranston ian rankin michael Connolly biggest crime writer there ever was we've we've interviewed joanne harris we've interviewed the the biggest best-selling authors and we celebrated last month the aggregated sales of all of those authors of guess how many books five five hundred million and along walks mark victor hansen and doubles that number <laughs> So we just hit a billion books of all the people. But the fact that you've done that in your lifetime and we've, we've interviewed all the best, and it's, it, it's sometimes quite hard to get my head around just what you've achieved through Chicken Soup for the Soul and all of your other books. It is, and I just want to take this moment to honor it because it's a phenomenon. It's been, I mean, Chicken Soup for the Soul has been called a publishing phenomenon, you know, for many years now, and it keeps on going. But it, it, it comes up in all areas of my life. I talked just last week with a, 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 a woman who's gone into grief counseling, and she said she used to read Chicken Soup for the Soul when she was seven years of age. And she always used to go into the sections about death, and that's all she would read. And she became fascinated. Her mum thought she was really strange. But now she's a young 20-something-year-old doing grief counseling for children. And she attributes that to your book. And how many stories are out there like this that we, I mean, in the book, obviously, but how many more are out there that we don't even know about? Well, can I, first of all, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And, and, and thank you to all the readers and my friends out there. And, and what, what you and I want to do, Marco, is cheer everybody on because 4 billion people have never touched a book. To me, that, uh, can you remember, I came out of a house that didn't have books. So I get goosebumps telling you that I think I said we got to be responsible, accountable, uh, inspiring, and, and to do that, to get to the rest. Because let's get to all 8 billion people. And then just only because this is an author show, let me just show you that this week I got um, on the uh, – can you see that? It oh, wow. Look at that. Well, it's it's, year. Yeah, I get to be the author of the year, which is uh, sort of amazing. I mean, Congratulations. That's fantastic. Yeah, By the way, I didn't do that to brag. I didn't do – I'm here just to, I, I want to put wind beneath every author's wings. I want, I, look, 
this is an, a business of abundance and, and uh, the smartest American president ever, we could argue it, but I think is going to be Thomas Jefferson. And he said, hey, look, if I give you an idea, it doesn't take anything from me, makes you rich or me richer, and hopefully you'll give me an idea back. The point is, is if, if you let your candle, he said on mine, it doesn't take anything from mine, it makes the world twice as bright. That's what books do. And, and so what I'm trying to do is light the match that gets you to go out and market and sell your book. It takes nothing away from me, but it makes you're good. Every author can get to people I can't get to and you can't get to. And there's 8 billion that need to be gotten to. I, I, and by the way, any of these assumptions that you don't agree with, just say, I don't know. I'm all on track. I think, I think, I mean, for me, it's, it, there's always something bigger to aim for. And when you started chicken soup for the soul, I know that it was, I think one of the key moments was when you decided how many books you wanted to sell. What was the initial figure when you when you first kind of? I mean, let's let's also remind everyone that you got rejected by a hundred and forty four publishers. Correct. Prior to being picked up by a, a a small publisher who then took a chance on you. So, what was what was the thinking behind that initial? target that you set what was that target can you remember okay, so, so i'm the guy who sets goals and get goals and i wrote a whole book on that called dare to win but mm. that's not the issue the issue is i wrote this wild business plan that we're going to do a million and a half in a year and a half and and every publisher turned us down it was the breakthrough time of the 90s and 91 92 jack and i on may 17th go to aba american bookseller and we carry three backpacks with three ring binders and still got turned down after, oh, by the way, our, I forgot the other bonus point here is our agent fired us, which cost right. at least $15 million. Oh my goodness. And now we've got a lot of publishers come up to my wife and I and say, I really believed in you, but I couldn't get the rest of the team to do it at time or whatever. I go, oh, okay, fine. Great. Thank you very much. A little late. No, I'm not going to publish with you. The, the uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, <laughs> Sorry, I'm just having so much fun doing this. So the, the point is, what was your question again? I want to make sure. Well, I was curious because yeah. because what I what I remember hearing the story was is that you set a you set a, a oh, very yeah. ambitious goal out the gate, but then it just kept getting bigger and bigger. We said we do a million and a half in a year and a half, and, and it was Jack had trepidation of heart. He said, "Man, you were thinking too big." But we had that three by five card. We'd interviewed Scott Peck and all these great people. Scott Peck. It sort of hit me with you got to do media every day. But then he, somebody, Bob Proctor, hit us with the fact that we ought to white out uh, his his name as number one New York Times. We put in Mark and Jack, Chicken Soup of the Soul. And we had it on the mirror at my house, my office, Jack's house, Jack's office. So every time you shaved or the women did the makeup, we were number one before we came number one. So we sold a million and a half, a year and a half. And then I said, well, look, let's just, I really believe in 10X and stuff. So let's go to 5 million. And then the next year after that, 10 million. And then after that, 15 million. And, and that's why... You know, we got all those Guinness Book of Records because in this list here over there is what book seller lists look like. But we we're number one. We had 15 of the top uh, 50 books on USA Today every Thursday. They came out with that like a day today. And then New York Times, Poser Week and all that. So we pulled off stuff that nobody else pulled off only because they didn't write it as a goal. Now, I teach very specifically in our book, Ask. The bridge from your dreams, your destiny. You got to number one, figure out what you want. Number two, it has got to be put in writing. And and you cannot have too many goals. I got over 7,000 goals, hit 1,681 of them so far. The point is, most people don't give their mind enough directional compass. And can I do one more thing on that, Mark? Mm. In, in the book I ask, I show, you know, I went through a very painful divorce long, long, long ago, prehistoric now. But I wrote down 267 things I wanted my ideal woman, you know, for a soulmate. Because most people say, I want a tall, dark, handsome man. Or the guy says, I just want a hot broad. Man, too superficial. Too yeah. superficial. I said we had to have the same values. We had the same spirit. We had to both want to travel. If we had kids, the kids had to get along. And, and she was two, Crystal's 267 on 267. And that's why we are a formidable couple because she is wiser, brighter, smarter than I am. And, and we are not only soulmates, but we're better than that. We're twin flames, which is the highest uh, spirit term I know of for a perfected relationship. But it's all because I asked, what do I want? Just like I asked for goals for the book. You need to ask for goals in every dimension of your life because your mind is multidimensional and writers are the most perfect people to write. But they say, no, I write in this zone. No, no, no. You don't write in that zone. You're a polymath for God's sake. You ought to have five or six books going at the same time because I learned when I interviewed 
for uh, Chicken Soup of the Writer Soul, Steve Allen, who had 7,000 major songs and 40 books, I think, and wrote plays and TV show, created The Tonight Show, and had the biggest play ever on Broadway up to that time was I'm Into Something Good, I'm Into Something Big, whatever his show was. Mm. Anyhow, he's totally dyslexic, couldn't read at all, and he said, I have 28 tape recorders, and, and I never have writers blocking all 28 subjects at one time. Isn't that a cool idea? Wow. That's amazing. Absolutely incredible. And they say guys can't multitask, eh? <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> By the way, when I was tested and, and Daniel Lehman, Dr. Lehman, and I are good friends, the guy does brain scans, I said, my parents would be glad I have a brain in there. But the <laughs> point is, he said, you're ADD. I said, yeah, I think I am, but that means I add to everything. <laughs> exactly. <you're right. laughs> exactly. That can be a huge benefit. Completely, completely. Now, one of the things that I love about the whole chicken soup for the soul stories, it's, it's, it's actually termed as nonfiction. Am I right? Correct. But we it's, try to make sure none of the stories are apocryphal. I'll use the big word so everyone's got to look. Right. Because the thing is, is that when you actually read chicken soup for the soul, it's a nonfiction book full of stories. And we've been talking about this so often about whether you're writing fiction or nonfiction, it's all ultimately about stories. And and all of us have one or more. Sorry. Absolutely. So tell me a bit, tell me a bit about the power of story from your from your experience. How how has the power of story um been a big journey in all the things that you've been a part of? Before Chicken Soup started and Chicken One we started because of a story I heard and I was in New York PA and the lady did make a wish, told the Bobsy story, which I'm sure you know. But then I'm telling these stories as I travel around, people said, you know, like the first book I did stand up because somebody said you had that in a book so i did it as a book but then i'm, I'm wa- talking in washington dc fly to the biggest mega church uh fred boats church in denver colorado i get there at like eight o'clock a car drives me up and dr Vogt is standing there with a little girl that's all bent over and wearing a head wrap and i go oh, something ain't right here ay, 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 ay. and she said her dying wish because she was part of make a wish i get goosebumps telling you is to meet mark victor hansen oh i know you're right Aye, aye, aye. Um, and, you know, there are going to be 5,000 people per service in the day before John Denver, who was a friend of mine at the time, you know, got married in this church uh, with Dr. Vogt. And uh, I said, hi, Fred, what is it? And, and he said, this girl's dying wishes to come to your seminar. She's dying of cancer. The doctor says she'll be gone in three days. And her story, your stories have really touched her heart. Hmm. Well, I meet, I meet this girl and I'm just enchanted with her and her parents. I am so moved by her story. I said to the audience, I said, look, I got no right to do this. But um, I know a little bit about faith healing. I know a little bit about how energy works and Reiki and all that. I said, I'm going to tell you what to do is everybody just rub up your hands like this. Okay. And then now feel that energy and see if you got a pulsate. Now, 5% of you have really healing power that you probably haven't used. Amy, would you come up here? And I had her stand on on the stage and I said, okay, everybody. Hold up your hand and send her healing energy. And if you need a healing right now, just let the healing penetrate, permeate, fill the inner spaces of your being. And she healed, got rid of it like that. And, and now it's, you know, two decades later, and she's got three kids and family. We're still wow. great friends. But I did not know I could do that. But the point is, I tell that story because every one of us has stories. And once you start doing your story, you get a bigger, better, stronger, healthier, heartier, more impactful story. And let me just sidebar on that and say, when you and I read Ernest Hemingway and he did all those cool things, I've been to a lot of places he'd been to. And then, you know, I read Michael Crichton and he, he climbed Kilimanjaro. So I said, wow, I want to climb. And so I climbed Kilimanjaro and Machu Picchu and Fuji and Whitney here in America and up by you in Canada, some other places that we can talk about so, and been everywhere in Canada. But the point is you as and I as authors are supposed to have drink in this deepness of experience, profound, and then hopefully – you have it and you can communicate it so well and share that story because other people that can't go there can simulate the experience in, in the most powerful thing God only gave us, the imagination. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's one of those things where I think a lot of authors like to disappear into that imaginary world. In the case of novel writers, they like to disappear into that imaginary world. But I've always felt that the, the truth of, of our experiences in in the world and all of the challenges that we have, all of the incredible um, high moments as well, they all come pouring out of us in our story. 
And it's what we convert that into in words, which touches the hearts of the readers. And it's when you touch the heart of the readers, which you have done. I mean, this is why this is why I'm so, so convinced. And I had the same conversation with Ed Sheeran about his music. I said, what do you, what do you think? Why is it that your music sells millions and millions and millions? He says, because I think, and he said, I, he said, I word, he said the words, I think, because, you know, it's still a mystery to him as it is for so many of us, but it's the idea of that heart connection. It's if it comes from your heart, it connects with the heart. So Mark, we've run out of time, but I would love to have you back on the show. Would you be able to join us again? Because there's so much more we need to discuss. Absolutely. I've enjoyed every second of this. Brilliant stuff. Thank you so much, Mr. Mark Victor Hansen. It's been such a pleasure having you on the show. Oh, blimey. I need a, I need a lie down after that. He's 72. He's 72. And I, I really enjoyed that. I, I enjoyed that for one reason in particular. It's not often that uh, you don't get a word in. I quite enjoyed that. <laughs> <laughs> no, right? <laughs> and that's how it should be. Absolutely how it should be. Yeah, he, he, really, he really has the most incredible mind. And, you know, we, we stopped recording. We, we recorded another session that we're going to use in the Academy. But um, after that interview and we, we turned the tapes off, he didn't just suddenly go, oh, that was great. He keeps going. And that's like, that is him. What you hear on that tape, that is Mark. And in some ways, when we've talked all the time about um, this kind of place in which you can choose to live, where you believe that anything is possible. And I mean, the level of things that he dreams about, I mean, his, his big thing actually, um, that he really, really is huge on is he wants to help 4 billion illiterate people to read. And that's a huge thing we talk about in the, in the next session. But really when you, when you, you know, he's not stopping, he's got se over 7,000 goals he wants to achieve. And he's, I think he's achieved one and a half thousand of them. So he's still got a fair way to go. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> but I love it. I love, I've always been a huge advocate of not placing limits on what's possible. And when you listen to how Mark talks, it, there's not even the, the tiniest room for doubt or questioning about something, about anything in his life. And, and when you then look at what he's achieved in his life, you know, that's no coincidence. So, yeah, fascinating chap. Absolutely fascinating. I mean, when you whittle it down, uh, he, he very early on he was saying, shake off your biases, pick a target, set goals, which is, is something, you know, we've talked about for a long time, which is, you know, okay, put, us, put aside the doom and gloom, pick a target, set a goal. And that was what our first year was all about, wasn't it? You know, we, we picked a target and we set a goal and we just about did it. So, uh, you know, when it when you whittle it down to, to what it is, it's all it's all good stuff. And um, weirdly enough, I've, we got a deep dive this week with uh, someone who's done marketing in, in the corporate sector. And I said to her, you know, what the what the, the big lessons that, you know, authors need to learn when they go into marketing is a woman called Leslie O'Connor and she's amazing. And she was basically said exactly the same thing you know set a goal pick a target and set a deadline and go for it so you know this is um it's uh it, it really does whittle down to um you know the message we've been hearing all this time but i can't yeah. i can't tell you the number of copies of that book i sold when i was uh when i was a bookseller i mean it was proper core stock yeah well they still have in most bookshops they still have a chicken soup for the soul section i mean i think stephen king sometimes has a section and chicken soup for the soul has an entire section and and honestly I mean, there's, there's very few people in this world that haven't ever read at least one story from one of those books. I think for me, the overriding thing I took away from that interview, Mark, was this idea of belief. And again, it's another theme that we've talked about so much over the years. But his story about pushing the book at an exhibition where they went in with three binders in their backpack, him and Jack Canfield, they, they went into a, an exhibition and they got rejected by 140 odd publishers. Every single person in that, in that room rejected them. They didn't even want to take the binder from them, this thing they'd printed out on their local printer. But it was at that point, like who at that point wouldn't get the message, right? Who at that point wouldn't think, you know what, maybe we should rethink this. Maybe this isn't what we're meant to be doing. Maybe we, but they, he was so absolutely determined and had so much belief that it didn't matter what people said. It didn't matter if somebody, even at a major publishing company, said no. 
it just almost spurred him on even more. And the fact that his agent then fired them before they got the first deal. Yes. And then they went on to sell half a billion. I mean, that that agent. Any regrets? You know, <laughs> right? Any regrets? There? Because the thing is, is if, if at that point, the only thing that could have changed is they could have given up. And so I want just, you know, as a New Year's message from Bestseller Experiment, I want every single person listening to this right now and every everyone who ever listens to this in the future, because this is timeless. This is not 2020, 21. This is, this is timeless advice. Never, ever give up on what you're doing. Never, ever give up just because somebody says, we don't want it, we don't like it, it's not good enough. Because the only way that book will never make an impact in the world is if you give up on it. And that's the only thing that matters. If you keep on believing it, then that book is going to stay, um, stay in, in the spotlight. It might have its moment and you've just got to keep believing. And that, and, and that, that's something that doesn't cost anything to just continually believe that this could happen. And I still, I still hold, hold the candle out for back to reality. One day, maybe it might become, you know, something more than just the book. I just have this feeling. I just have this feeling and I'm documenting it and keep saying it on the podcast so that when it happens, I can go, right, go back to episode blah, and episode and episode. Because this is the example that, that Mark's kind of teaching us is you can't give up. If you believe in it and you believe it's good, then you just keep on pushing it and talking about it until the right people come along and say, yeah, we'll give it a shot. Like the, like the publisher who, who said they'd, they'd do 20,000 copies of... Uh, of the first run of book one of Chicken Soup for the Soul, 20,000 copies. <laughs> it's like, oh my gosh, I can't, yeah. What does half a billion books look like, Mark? Have you, how do you even, I mean, what, what would that fill? Well, that must fill more than one Wembley Stadium. I don't do know, you think? Sometimes I feel like I'm living in that. But, uh, <laughs> you my, mean, when my, you're watching us on, on, on yeah. YouTube, you my, will see Mark's my, bookshelves my surrounding to, him. To be read pile uh, often feels like that. But yeah, listen, shall yeah. we? Do you want to segue into good news? Because I want to talk about never Absolutely. giving up, never get, because, you know, we are. Uh, 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 Got some good stories this week about that, haven't we? Yeah, that our, very thing. Our patrons, our academates. Now, Essie Moorhead, who wrote this wonderful book, Witness X, which is Silence of the Lambs meets Blade Runner, which is just fantastic. Um, She's, you know, the the book was launched into COVID, you know, into a pandemic. And a lot of the plans that she had for this book kind of evaporated, went up into the air. The, the, and the thing is um, with, with Essie Moorhead, you know, when you meet her, uh, she's, you know, she sells the book. You know, you meet her, she's wonderful, she's effervescent, she's full of energy, full of passion about her writing. And... You know, if you can't do that in person, then it's it can be really difficult. And, you know, she's had a tough year with this book uh, and it was published, I think, January or February. So here we are at December. Now, if you've published a book January, February, and it hasn't kind of hit the heights that you would want, you might be forgiven for thinking, oh, well, that was I had a go. I had my shot. It didn't quite work kind of thing. Well, just a couple of days ago, um, it got a mention in uh, The Guardian in the UK, which, of course, you know, online is international. And they asked people for their favourite books of 2020. And Witness X, what you know it, got a mention as, you know, readers' books of, of 2020. And then what started happening was it started shooting up various Amazon charts. Now, I know uh, Witness X hit at least one, got at least one orange bestseller flag, but I'm pretty sure it got more than that as well. So huge, yeah. huge congratulations uh, on this. Yeah. It's just, you know, uh, hang in there. You've got to hang in there and... and, and uh, Never give up. Yeah, and and Essie Moorhead's been part of the uh, the uh, BXP team for a long time now, and we've been following her journey. And it's just there's no greater joy than when you see somebody go, you never guess what. And then I think for her, one of the biggest moments was she she um, jumped a, a, above some of her favourite authors of all time, and even jumped above the top of the charts in that particular genre, which was Ready Player One, which is a huge huge best selling book. And um, for me, part of the joy of, of doing this, doing what we do, is, is to celebrate those moments, but also see the journey that people have taken to that point where they've got somewhere to shout and celebrate and everyone can just say, yes, that's amazing. So, and it didn't stop there, did it? Because, I mean, that was just one piece of good news this week. Yep. 
Well, if you if you love the works of uh, people like Mark Victor Hansen, check out Hannah Brame, because Hannah uh, writes books like uh, The Year of You, The Ultimate Guide to Journaling, Power of Self-Kindness. And she messaged us uh, to, to say that um, she had some rather good news as well. Uh, it's One of her books is number one in two categories in Amazon in the US, and she had a BookBub featured deal. Uh, she said, for context, I self-published my first book in 2013 or 2012, and I think this is the first time I've had a little orange flag. It's a pretty good way to end the year. So huge congrats on that, Hammer. Hannah. Hammer? Hammer time. Hannah. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant stuff, Hannah. Congratulations. That's fantastic news. We've also got some good news um, from uh, ah, this I love this one. Jan Carr, again, one of our academates uh, over on the Academy. Um, she, it says here, this is exciting. The BBC are playing the Doctor Who Christmas special I wrote for a couple of Christmases ago when there wasn't one on the telly. Uh, and it's 40 minutes and they've serialised it into, into 10 parts. So it's on BBC Radio Solent. Uh, you can get it on uh, the BBC Sounds app as well. It's called The Darkling and the Light. And I had a listen to it the other day and it is just she really, really captures what is special about Doctor Who, uh, particularly the new Doctor as well. Um, so do give that a listen. Have a look for The Darkling and The Light on the BBC Sounds app by Jan Carr. And huge congrats, Jan. You know, you, you're part of that Doctor Who universe now. So that's just fantastic. Absolutely, yeah. That involves includes people such as Mr. Aronovich, <laughs> yeah. Mr. Ben Aronovich, who's yeah. written for Doctor Who, hasn't he? So congratulations, Jan. That's absolutely fantastic. That was a really massive bit of news coming out of the Academy this, this month as well. Uh, There's a lot of other things that have been going on. Taj Freshener, uh, who is uh, one of our uh, patron supporters, uh, he said, the best experiment, you're big on stating your goals. Well, one of my 2020 New Year's resolutions was to write 30,000 words of my second novel, revised down from 50k because of the pandemic. I got over that line at the weekend and I'm feeling a little proud. Now, the thing to say about Taj is Taj is one of those frontline NHS workers that have basically been keeping this country on, on its feet um, for the last year. So Taj, you know, huge congrats to you, sir. That's just amazing. And thank you for everything you and all your colleagues have done. Absolutely. Yeah, we should just say a big thank you, actually. I mean, it, it is, it's end of the year. We're looking back on 2020. I mean, firstly, Taj, how on earth did you do that? <laughs> I can just imagine him in his scrubs, like on his tea break in the hospital, scribbling like his 200 words down. I can just see it. But how on earth did you manage to do that with the kind of crazy um, scenarios that you've probably been having to deal with? But we just want to also just say a big thank you because I know um, everyone's been affected by COVID. We've all got personal stories about it. I know, Mark, you know, you've got personal stories around COVID as well. And we just want to thank every single person out there this year who's put their literally their life on the line to help people. Um, to me, despite the pandemic and the challenges that we had, what has come through for me this year is the power of the human spirit. I think um, seeing how everybody supported each other um, despite the challenges has been phenomenal. And it really, it, whilst everyone kind of can get a bit down about how the year's gone, I might, I've never lost my faith in humanity. It's always been there, but it's kind of, it's leveled up to another level because of how we've seen people put their lives on the line and, and support communities locally, food banks, um, and, and countless unreported random acts of kindness that I know have happened in every community across the world. So if you've been a part of that in any way, if you've, if you've helped others, um, if you kept people going, giving people a, I was going to say a hug, but we can't even do that, but, but shared a kind word and encourage people. Thank you um, for doing that because this is what life's about folks. And we write stories about this stuff, but ultimately the real world is where it's all documented. So yeah, thank you Taj as, as our kind of, as our avatar for everyone out there everyone out there who's made such a difference in the world. Absolutely. And do you remember in our last uh, episode, You Are Not Alone, where we talked about various, you know, mental health issues that and, and physical issues, you were talked about the fact that we weren't sleeping properly. We're waking up and our sleeping habits are changing. Well, this sparked off all sorts of conversations on the Academy, on, on the Bestseller Experiment group on Facebook. Jane Raven uh, got in touch and said that the two marks asked whether anyone is finding their sleeping habits changed during the 
pandemic. And she said, definitely. I'm normally able to sleep like the dead. If there were an Olympic gold medal for sleeping, I could win it every time. But not now. I, <laughs> I, I wake up very early around 4 a.m. then struggle to sleep properly again. And she says, been, she, I believe there have been some recent psychological studies that suggest it's been a current phenomenon since the advent of COVID, which is weird because I don't feel worried about it. I'm not, not normally out a great deal, but I have to confess the last three or four weeks I'm finding very dreary. Roll on the vaccination, the longer days and some sunshine. And this, I, I, I amen to that, Jane. And this sparked a big conversation on, on the bestseller, the BXP team. Uh, we, you, None of us are alone. This is a, a real phenomenon. We are <laughs> seriously having trouble sleeping. But uh, hopefully 2021, the tide is turning, the vaccine is coming, uh, you know, something something resembling normal might be might be happening soon. So 2021, the year of sleep. <laughs> Damn right. Or for me, the year of napping. <laughs> just, I think we're all just going to, we should do what the, the Spanish do and have siestas and we will just like have a, have a, have a couple hours kip in the middle of the day just to catch up on the early morning stuff that Very we good. miss. Yeah, we should. Definitely. Oh my goodness. Brilliant stuff. Brilliant. Well, thank you everyone for sending in all of the messages this year as well. We have been, if we had a Royal Mail sack, it would be full, wouldn't it, Mark? It would be great if we were like delivered post every morning. I do, I do, I do wonder what our, our rooms would look like with our piles, but we've had so many beautiful emails, so many heartfelt stories, so many moments that have inspired us through stories that you've told us. It's been, you know, really to, to, to witness what we witness as, as you know, presenters of this podcast is a real privilege, isn't it, Mark? Like, I don't think many people get to really hear and read. And there's some stories we can't obviously talk about on air because they're, they're people that, that want us to remain, you know, obviously respect their privacy. But isn't it a privilege to kind of just get those emails and those stories every week? It's the reason we keep this going. You know, it's um, it's kind of happened by accident because, you know, the, I think the choice we made at the beginning of the show was to say, you know, I'll get, let's get people to beat us to it. Let's, you know, let's get them writing their own bestsellers. And they have been and they continue to do so. And these stories, uh, little moments of joy. Uh, well, they've got me through the bloody pandemic, I can tell you. I mean, I've had it pretty cushy compared to most, but I don't think anyone can, you know, honestly say they haven't been affected by some way mentally or physically and and by what's happened this year so yeah all the good vibes are very very welcome and we send them right back at you folks absolutely and keep them coming this is we made a commitment after the first year when it was all about us on our journey we pivoted and said this is now all about you it's all about you every writer out there in the world the struggles you have, uh, the challenges you have, and also the joys and the celebrations. And we want to be the place where you come and celebrate when you hit those goals, big or small. So 2021 is about celebrating your success. That's going to be the underlying theme of this podcast, as it always has. But we really, we really want to open the doors to say to people, write to us, tell us your stories. Um, I mean, Chicken Soup for the Soul, when you think about it, Mark, it, it's 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 a collection of incredibly inspiring stories. And maybe that's what we are. We're the podcast for everyone's incredible stories. So please do not hold back. Tell us your stories. Be vulnerable. Be open. Um, tell us the struggles that you've been through. Um, tell us where you want to head. Send us your goals. Dream declarations are a big thing in the academy. Uh, we, we actually force people to do dream declarations in the academy. And, and it's great because everyone has to do one. But, you know, if you've got a dream declaration that you want to share with us for 2021, please send it to us. It does make it real for you and makes it slightly account more accountable than it's just if it's just something that you're thinking in your head. So share it with us. And if you want, we'll share it with the world. And 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 then then the work starts. Absolutely. Well, get in touch, folks. Come and find us. Uh, we are on bestsellerexperiment.com and you'll find a contact uh, tab there. Uh, come and find us on Facebook, Bestseller Experiment. Twitter and Instagram is at bestsellerxp. Please subscribe, rate and review wherever you get your podcasts from. And a big thank you and Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to our editors, Dave and JD, who have just been astonishing throughout the year for us. They are, they are the rock upon which our waves crash. That's a clumsy <laughs> metaphor, isn't it? That's uh, it. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> Brilliant stuff. And don't forget, folks, if you want to join Mark and I, if you need an extra helping of inspiration, motivation in the 2021 and beyond, join us in the Bestseller Academy. It is really the most inspiring, loving, warm, 
space for writers and we want to help you. So come join us. You've got until the 6th of January at midnight PST time to come and join us. Get over to academy.bestsellerexperiment.com. And if you want to join the 200 Word a Day Challenge, come to bestsellerexperiment.com. So Mr. Stay, that leaves me to wish you the most incredible new year. I hope you have a wonderful time with your family. Mm. I also hope that 2021, I, you see, for most people would say, I hope 2021 like is a, is a better year than, than 2020. But for you, it's like, how would you do that? I so know. I, I feel congratulations like- on the last year. It's <laughs> Thank been you. quite a journey, but you've got a book coming out in the next couple of months. You've got a movie coming out and who knows what else you've got hidden up your sleeve. I can't wait to start this year in your lovely company and let's see what happens. Yes. And so, everyone. Happy New Year to you and yours as well, Mr. D. And Thank uh, you so much. Yeah, it's going to be a good one. It will be a good one. It's going to be fun. It will be good. I know it's going to be better than 2020. And it could be even better than all of our expectations of what the next year is going to come. So, listen, everyone, keep the faith. Have a great have a great New Year's. Have a drink on us. And we're having a drink on you. It's a goodbye from Mark 1. And a goodbye from Mark 2. Ho, ho, ho. Goodbye. Ho, 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 ho. <laughs>To read Back to Reality, the best-selling novel of the bestseller experiment by the two marks, go to bestsellerexperiment.com forward slash back to reality. And subscribe to this podcast to get loads of extra bonuses. Go to bestsellerexperiment.com forward slash subscribe.